here um, with you also because she come from a different place than what I came from. And when she entered in a place of, of Christendom and, and began to express her love for Christ and um, accepted Him as her, as her Savior, there, she's experienced things differently than I've experienced. Um, and she's able to experience things at a different dimension than I am because I have a filtration system that has been instilled in my life. And every, every scripture that passes by my ears, I pass them over this filter of how I've heard it preached and how I've heard it taught. And it has limited me um, in my ability to live freely in Christ. And... Uh, so I just, I, I wanted her to talk. I'm, I'll express some things and let me give you the scripture first and then we'll, y'all okay with us doing it this way? I don't guess they are. Well, if you're here this morning, this is how you're going to get it. Okay, you can uh, chastise me later. But I think if you will, if you'll open yourself up um, because some of this is coming, I mean, I, I wrote a couple of thoughts down, but most of this is going to come out of a, our hearts, I think. Um, so let's open up in prayer. Is everybody doing, are you doing okay? Just liven your spirit up a little bit and enjoy, enjoy the presence of God. I mean, see, here again, we, we come to your, your expectation of church today was something that you dreamt up all week. You, you based your church experience today off of what took place last Sunday. I told people Wednesday night, man, that's the, the hardest thing for me to do is come back and preach or teach after God just wrecked me the time before. I mean, he destroyed me Sunday, and now I'm trying to come back in. I'm going, God, I don't know what you done last Sunday, but I don't know what you're going to do. Is there anything I need to do? And then you try to structure and set it, and then you can't get none of your thoughts together. And, and then at 6 o'clock in the morning, it's, you're going to teach on Galatians 5.1. Okay, great. Appreciate you. Let's pray. Father, God, this morning, I just... Being able to find my liberty in you has been a struggle for me. Be, being able to, to walk out my life and, and, what, and what I believe that you have placed on my life. Being able to walk that out with liberty has been hard for me. Because I've always allowed the expectations of others to dictate steps. And I've had to be reminded that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And I've got to be reminded of that daily. So God, this morning, I would ask that you would just take this, this one scripture and as, as Debbie and I just discuss a little bit between each other and before your people, I would just ask that, 
God, you would open up doors in their hearts. God, somebody needs to hear this today. And I, and I know it's, it's somebody other than just me. You're, you're much bigger than that. So help us articulate and, and express what it is that, that, we have, that we have faced in our journey, that, um, how we've overcome things in our journey. And help us to give somewhat of a road map for those that may find themselves sitting in the exact place that we're going to talk about today. And Father, everything that happens in this place, let it glorify and edify your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, Galatians 5.1. This is Paul sending a letter. And this first verse of chapter 5 starts out with stand. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. What I have found over my life, especially since being called to ministry is living, living my life on the expectations of others. Wow, it's labor intensive. Have any of you ever felt that way? It is just, it's labor intensive. To live according to what others think about how you should live out your life. And we are quick, if we aren't focused, we are quick too to cast our expectations on other people as well. Um... And so I can go ahead and dismount the religious knight on the black dark horse. You've done it. You've put expectations on people. You've looked at people and, and you have, you don't, and when I say that you've put expectations on people, I'm not necessarily saying that you've gone to people and told them that they need to do this and they need to do that. You're, that is setting order in somebody's life. But when you set expectations on someone, that doesn't necessarily have to be done verbal. That is done mentally. Um, and you can go and think that because someone now is saved that they should not do this, they should not do that. And I thought you were saved. You're doing this and you're doing that. You shouldn't do this or that. I mean, we we begin to give a list of rules. I mean, that's, I, I know that's how I was brought up. We, we had all the don'ts. I, I don't know that we ever... I think if we sat down and we just talked about it, and I'm, I'm talking about Lisa because she grew up in the same church, but if we really sat down and looked at 
and took time to do a checklist on the things that we were told not to do and the things we were told to do, I, I, I do believe my list of don'ts would heavily outweigh my dues. And that's not what Christ was about. Christ died that you may. Christ died that you could have liberty and have peace and have joy. Christ didn't die to give you a list of the don'ts. He died to give you a list of the do's. I mean, matter of fact, his list of do's, if you remember even in Genesis, his list of do's outweighed his don'ts. He said, go take dominion. Right? Subdue the earth, take dominion, and multiply. And you can eat anything in this garden that you want to eat. He's telling them all the things that they can do. And then he says, now listen, just don't do. Just don't eat of this tree. Everything else, just don't eat of this tree. Boy, hasn't time changed. Because now we tell everybody, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You should. And now we have become so overwhelmed with everyone's expectations that our journey has now become extremely labor intensive because I've got to uphold your expectation. And, uh, and I think that comes, with, that comes with a religious spirit because if, if, we aren't, if we aren't careful, I think we too can become... Um, Pharisaical in in our speaking and in our actions, because they were they were all about the rules and the laws, and we got to remember when when we're in Galatians five, Paul has in the back of his mind circumcision. That this is where this is coming from, because now the Gentiles are are coming to Christ and. They're finding this liberty and they're finding their way in this faith. And, and he's chastising because the Jewish people are telling the Gentiles, you have to be circumcised. And there is no, if I, if I don't tell you anything else this morning, there is no additive to your salvation other than Jesus and his blood. Linda, because you came to church this morning, didn't make you any more saved. Right? I mean, you, you was as holy as, you, as holy could be this morning when you got up. And because you come here, you didn't glow any brighter. You didn't come in here and plug into the wall and shine brighter than what you did this morning when you got out of bed. Come on, I'm, I've got to be helping somebody. Because you, you I, and I'm not... I don't want to do all the talking. I'm trying to get to a question for you. So you might as well grab your mic and turn it on because you're going to talk on the mic. You know, you can't talk without the mic. The mic's right there. You have to pick it up. But um, 
I just I, I fear that the church has passed on this yoke of bondage. And, and we're passing it from generation to generation, whether it be direct family or outside influence. We, we pass this yoke of bondage because how many, how many of you know <laughs> human, human, we don't like anybody to surpass us in any aspect of life. We could be good until you excel past me. Now I got a problem. But I thought we were, well, we are. But as soon as someone doesn't do as we believe they should do, we automatically go and we put a yoke of bondage around their neck because I want to hold you captive just like I'm being held captive. And I think a lot of our captivity is based on our past. How many of you are reminded where you come from all the time? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's over here fighting, trying to get you to come here. The enemy's over here trying to get you to remember here. And as soon as you think that you can lift both hands in church, see, you graduated. You, man, liberty is a process. Freedom is a process. So you have to, that's why he says stand fast. That's why he says to stand fast because this is a process and you've got to take everything within you to fight against going back to a place of bondage. You need to stand fast on the promises that Jesus said that the Son of, when, when the Son of Man set you free, you're free, you're free indeed, you're free indeed, you're free indeed, you're free. But if we aren't careful, we go to church and it, it, it started like this, and then one Sunday, Something happened in praise and worship and you caught yourself giving it a little clap. You, 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 well, the, that Wednesday night, I don't know what pastor said, but I caught myself going like this one time, right? And we, we raised one hand and then one Sunday, uh-oh, we, we actually put two hands up. God help us when we start to actually speak. And be boisterous in our prayer and our shouts and our hallelujahs and our praising God. God, God forbid. Because once that happens, well, here come the enemy. Oh, who do you think you are? Don't let the Holy Spirit use you in a gifting. Because <laughs> here come the enemy. Oh, so now you think this is that yoke of bondage I'm telling you about. Can I tell you that Jesus died for the simple fact that you were incapable of ever working yourself into freedom. We can look through the entire Old Testament. 
And it was day after day, week after week, year after year, centuries that they tried to work themselves out of bondage. And they were incapable of doing it. And Jesus had to come to make that way possible so that you could have the freedom in life. This relationship is about you and him. Nobody else. But you've got to be careful not to take what he's saying about liberty and using it as an excuse to sin. Just because, because I, I know some of you, you pop your neck and, well, you ain't God. And how you going to tell me I ain't supposed to live? Like, and you want to do whatever you want to do. He's not saying that we have, we, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't look at this word liberty as a, as a thing of doing whatever we want and however we want and not denying a desire in our life because the flesh is constantly wanting to pull you down and the life and the love of liberty in Christ is trying to pull you up. And if we, if we are so quick to tell somebody, well, don't, or I can go here and I can do this and I can do that, you can, you can. But to live in the liberty and the freedom of salvation through Christ, there is a command that comes with that, and it's called to deny himself and take up his cross. Deny you got to stop. Somewhere in your life, you have to be able to suppress these desires that we have. And I'm not saying that having dreams and goals, don't sit and think, well, pastor's pointing fingers already. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, liberty cannot be your ticket to sin. Yeah. And too many people, too many Christian people, Use that to do whatever they want to do. I'm going to dress how I want to dress. I'm going to talk the way I want to talk. I'm going to hang out where I want to hang out. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you can't say anything. It's about me and God. It's my relationship to him. And I don't answer to you. And, and then we, that's dangerous ground. You've got to be careful in how you use this scripture in your life to walk in this freedom. I want this freedom of Christ. What does that mean to me? What it means to me is that I don't have to follow a bunch of rules. That's what it means to me. And can I tell you that, huh, thank you, Holy Spirit, this word, it's written on your heart. He said he wrote it on your heart. So if there's something you need to be reminded of, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit and you love Jesus as much as you say you love Jesus, you'll hear that word when it says, ah, you probably shouldn't do that. And you receive that correction and you stand up in the liberty of Christ and you say, you know what, you're right and I'm not going to do that again. 
I don't need some. The problem is you're stubborn. That's the problem. Because the Holy Spirit's told you a thousand times not to. And then he sends somebody else. And we rebuke Satan. And then you rebuke Satan. Because that ain't God. <laughs> because you didn't listen to the Holy Spirit the first time. And now somebody else comes to reaffirm that word. See, if it's a good word, if it's about you going to be a millionaire tomorrow morning, and you hear that in your spirit, and somebody comes and tells you that the next day, boy, you're rejoicing, hallelujah. You take it in the hands in agreement, right? You fasting, you... <laughs> but if somebody tells you you need to correct something in your life so that it makes way for liberty and freedom in your life, now it's get behind me, Satan. Because we don't want to deny ourselves, And that's where the liberty comes in with God. That's where our freedom comes with Christ. Is when we deny ourselves, And we have to learn to let God, let Jesus live through us. You, I don't care how many cuss words you didn't say this week. I don't care how many beverages you may not have drank this past month. I don't care how many times you came to church. Or how many times you tithe. You will never work your way into freedom. Amen. You can't get there. No matter what you do. No matter how much money you pay. It took Christ. And he paid for your freedom. So I, I want to talk this morning about, I'm a little jealous sometimes when it comes to Debbie, because Debbie hasn't had to go in and unwork some things to work things back in that line up with the word, and that she has a place of feeling she lives freer than I do. Because I'm still trying to filter everything in the back of my mind. That I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this and I can't do that. And, I can't. and she's looking at all the, all the she-cans. And when she runs up on something that she shouldn't, either myself or the Holy Spirit... <laughs> Quickly points it out. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But not really. Sometimes. Not as much now. It used to be horrible. When she gave her life to Christ, I was the Pharisee of the family. And he wasn't even in church. <laughs> See? And that's the God's truth. I didn't go to church. I ran her salvation off of this book. Now, I'm not saying that this book is not, this book was written for our learning. Yes. Okay? The, this book is, y'all have heard the little, uh, what do they call it, the acronyms for the B-I-B-L-E. It's the basic instructions. instructions before leaving earth. That's what this is for. Um, so I would use this to dictate How she could live 
for Christ. Not recognizing that she found, she found a freedom that I didn't have. I mean, dude, God forbid if the women would wear, you dropped the marker. God forbid if a woman would wear blue jeans to church. Going to hell. Yes. Women, don't you, don't, don't you, if you wore makeup, you was Jezebel. If you let your, if, come on, if you let your hair down, boy, whew. I mean, we wasn't as stringent as that, but I've seen it. You better roll that stuff up in a bun and paste it to your head with Crisco and a flat iron and everything else to keep it up. Don't you dare let your hair fall. And that's legalism. That's Pharisaical Christianity. And you, and you, can't, you, can't, you can't enjoy the good things of God living in such bondage. You, you close off you close off his goodness. You reject, that's, that's a better word. You reject his goodness. Because you think it's you. You can't be a Christian. You're not good enough. None of us in here is good enough to be saved. That's right. Amen. None of us. Except by the blood. So, you talk a minute. <laughs> well, I was thinking um, God's bringing scripture that He came to give us life. He came to give us life. That's, we're eternally given life with Him once you accept Christ as your Savior, right? But He came to give us life. And give us life abundantly. So where is that abundant life? Where is that? The abundant life is here. On earth. We are his disciples. We are his children. He wants us free from our bondages. So that we can portray Christ to others around us. So that we can have abundant life. That doesn't mean you'll have a million dollars and live in a big house and drive a fancy car. That means a peaceful, a happy, a fulfilled life in whatever you're going through. I heard a song coming this morning. Had to put it on repeat a couple of times. And it was the peace peace that God gives us. And the song starts out, I have peace on the mountain. I have peace by the river. I have peace by the flowing waters. So all those good things in life, Lord, we have your peace, right? But then she moves into, I have peace in that valley. I have peace in persecution. I have peace in my struggles. And that's what changes us. That's what we, sorry, we stand out for. That's where your freedom comes in. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a struggle in life. It doesn't mean that life is going to be fair. Who says life is fair? 
There is nothing about life that is fair, nothing at all. It is not promised to us. Jesus died on a cross. He carried his own cross to crawl up and submit his life for us. That was not fair. But he did it so that we can have life with him and we can be free. And we can have that peace abundantly in life. And so as I read, as I read Galatians, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. We didn't do that ourselves. And do not be entangled again. That's a direct commandment. He set us free. So don't turn back to it. And I think sometimes we get caught in our, in, in our flesh. I know we do because I've struggled with this myself. Why do we have to be so far gone or so miserable or so hurt or so broken before I, we turn our life over to God? Why do we have to be so far in that pit? Nobody can help us. Nobody understands Nobody can guide us through before we finally reach up and say, okay, I can't do this, God, anymore. I give myself to you, and I allow you to do something with me because I'm, I'm just, I can't do it. In verse 4, it says, you have become estranged from Christ You who attempt to be justified by law, now you have fallen from grace. That's religion. You've attempted yourself to walk as a Christian according to your will and not God's will, and we fall. I feel like there was... um, and, I, and we talk about it often when we, we do marriage ministry. And I, I talk to people about my salvation and how my life changed after I gave my life to Christ. And I don't remember the day that I was saved. I just don't. I don't remember the day I was saved. <laughs> have you, have you, who in here knows when, when you were saved? Who, who in here knows? See, there, there are some. Now let me ask you this question. To those that said, I remember when I was saved. Have you ever looked at someone and said, how can you not remember? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And see, and here, if, if we just look at this little thing, just this little thing, what other doors does that open? As soon as we look at somebody and we go, how can you not remember? And you walk (laughs) off and then it's in your head that they didn't remember I wonder if Satan will use that. They didn't really accept Christ. <laughs> Do you think Satan would put a, put a foothold in the door and go, uh, hey, let's leave this door open for a minute. I think I might be able to throw some type of a judgmental attitude in here. I might be able to get some bitterness stirred up in this mix. We ain't got to do it right now. Because, see, we think that Satan's coming in right in one, in one big jump and just messing our whole life up all at one time. Mm-mm. Little bit at a time. Compromise. Oh, okay. Well, let's do it like this. If if you liked unsweet tea, and that's all you drank was unsweet tea, 
I wonder if you could get the taste for sweet tea if over years there was a little sugar added in your tea. You may even get all the way to full-blown sweet tea and not even taste it. Because it may have been a taste that was acquired. And it's the same thing with, with our judgmental attitudes. We don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to go to somebody and tell them, you're not saved. It's just the thing of that little thought, man, that little seed is in the back. And we might not say something to that person, but the next thing you know, we're talking to, we're talking to other people in the church. Can you believe that they don't know when they got saved? Oh, and don't. <laughs> I'm not picking on you, Linda. But what if you and Linda got together? Y'all know what day, y'all know what day you got saved and y'all start talking? Can you believe it, Debbie? Don't know what day she got saved? And uh oh. It's just a little seed. It didn't mean no harm. I ain't saying that they would ever do that and mean harm. I'm just saying, what if that, what if that transpires? Now we begin, now we have two people over in the corner manufacturing a yoke so that they can lay it on. So now she in the back of her mind begins to think, Was I saved? Did I? Was I saved that day when? Now that they mentioned, I mean, could it be possible that I've, I've grown? Could it be possible that I've grown into my faith because I started going to church? I started tithing. We have to be, oh, we have to be so careful. We have to be so careful. Now, it's not a bad thing to, to know when you were saved. I'm not. See how? Yeah, we'll, that's what we'll do this, this morning. We'll rededicate and we'll write it down. But it's just a, there are some that know, and there's some, I mean, look at the percentage. There's three people in here. Look at the percentage of the ones that do and the ones that don't. Now, does that mean that the rest of them aren't? Does that mean that the ones that do remember the date are any more Christian than I am or any more say that? No, it was a special moment for them at that time. It, it, something happened in here with them at that moment, and it burnt into their heart. And that's fine. It's fine. Now, speaking in tongues, I don't remember the first day I, was, I, I don't remember the first day I spoke in tongues. Don't remember that. Don't remember that. But I will tell you this. I remember the first day that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I do remember that. 
because it was at a moment in my life that, dude, if God didn't show up, I was about to make a fool of myself. I was getting ready to preach for the first time. And I stood in the shower. Don't be getting pictures in your head. I stood in the shower. I'll, I'll never, I will never forget this. I was at my mother's house. Singing, fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up. And I held my hands underneath a water faucet. I'll never forget it. When I come out of that shower, I was a changed man just what because I washed the dirt off. I was a changed man. Something happened that day. That was a Father Day Sunday about 15 years ago. You believe it's been that long? That's about 15 years ago. And I remember that. Because something happened with me that really changed perspectives in my life. But I don't, this, this thing of us living in this liberty and this freedom of, of salvation and, and who God wants us to be, it doesn't come by way of everybody else. See, Joe, I don't, I don't have to have dreads to be cool like you. <laughs> He's got them now. <laughs> right? But I do, I do have them in a bag at the house, laying on my chair in my office. But I think we get, we get caught up in competition in church. That's what I think. Because this church has a bigger praise team, they're better than we are. Because this church had a healing revival one week, they're better than they are. That person preaches the paint off the wall in that church. He's better than the rest. And we have this thing about going and being drawn to these things. And we're trying to take that expectation of how we think that church should be and how our salvation should be. And we try to put it on other people because... If misery loves company, it's got to work on the other side of the street too. So if I'm having fun in church or I feel like I'm getting filled in church, then I want you to come to my church because this is where. And they get here and they go, dude, I think your pastor's a nutcase. Don't you listen to them. I think your pastor lost his mind. I ain't coming back to that church. So, living out what other people want out of us, it's a yoke of bondage. And Christ said, if, if I died and give you this freedom in me, why would you want to go back and live under the judgment of others? Is anybody in here perfect? Just checking. Because we aren't. We're being made perfect. 
Bible perfect. In other words, we are maturing in our faith. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. And then that's, that's what Paul is trying to let everybody know is Christ done this for you. Nobody else could do it. But Christ done it for you. So why would we want to live... Joe, why would I want to live in your life when I can live in the life of Christ? Because you can't send me to hell. You can't send me to heaven. You wasn't man enough to make either one. So you can't direct me where I got to go. But here again, you better yet, you can't tell me if I'm going to hell or if I'm going to heaven. You can't tell me that. Oh, you can say it. But you can't tell me that. See, it, it, it's really working on the religious. Because the religious go, well, yes, I can. I mean, if he cheated on his wife, I can say he's going to hell. Really? Oh, <laughs> oh, so you understand God's grace in such a dimension that you know when God turns it off for somebody's life. See, that's what's going to make the religious people mad as a hornet when they're in there in the heaven. Because they're going to look at somebody like me and go, how in the world did you live 20 years in sin the way that you lived? And you up here eating chicken beside me. Because we don't understand. We, we talk about it with my dad. <laughs> we talk about it with my dad or about my dad. We, we just, <laughs> it's just a thing in our family. But we said, man, we can just see grandma's face now looking at my dad because my grandma knew my dad. <laughs> looking at him when he come through heaven and go, how did you get here? <laughs> right? Can, man, let me tell you what set me free with God's grace. Not, not only that did, did God's grace afford me my salvation and my freedom. But God's grace is so profound. It is, we serve what the Bible calls a multidimensional God. His grace is so, so, so vast in its shape that the dimension of it matches the vastness of it. It doesn't just go like a big circle, but it goes like a sphere. Everywhere you turn it, there's a different portion of that sphere that you see. If I had a, if I had a ball, I could show you. Y'all you know what I'm talking about? If you take a ball, and I just start turning this ball this way. How many portions of that ball do you think you can see? You know? And, and that, that's God. So what really helped me one day was... And it was something crazy. The hearing is the last thing to go when somebody dies. Can I ask you a question? It's just my thinking. Do you, 
Do you think it might have been possible, just, just my question, that God created it that way so that right before lights were out, that he could come back one more time and lean into your ear? What about now? Boy, that set me free one day. I said, man, you, you can't tell me that I don't have a loving God. To, just to know, you don't understand His grace. The only unforgivable sin is to deny Christ. That's it. The Bible calls it blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It's to deny Christ. Everything else, he cleaned it up for us. Look at King David. Look at King David in the, in the Bible. King David blows my mind. God says he's a man after my own heart. And, and how many, and how look many at times binoculars. did he sin? <laughs> how many times did he sin? But he was true in his repentance. And and, well, that's, what, that's, what, that's why he was after God's own heart. That's why God, because he was quick to repent. He would run. He knew instantly when he'd done something wrong. And he would run back to the Father. And we, because of the judgment that we get and the yoke that we carry from everyone else, How many of you just, you held off a couple days to go to daddy and talk to daddy about a sin that you done? How many, you know, you, you done something like wrong. Know. Like and, know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like he didn't know. I, I'm not going to his house yet. I, I want to, let me work this thing up. Like he didn't already know. And we wait because why? Because, man, we heard that he's going to spank you. And the whole time, he's standing at the doorway and said, I seen you from afar off. I seen you. I seen you before you even thought about doing what you done. And I still chose to do this. I just think that the church is living in a bondage that we shouldn't live in. See, I don't, I don't have to preach like the other preachers. Boy, Jesus said, God set me free, and it was after I come here, and it was over there in that corner, and it was Galatians. <laughs> Are you here to serve man or me? Are you here to please me or man? I had to get checked. Because you want to do things so... You want to do it the right way. You want to say it the right way because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, you don't. and, and, and I don't. But I told, uh, told a buddy of mine, I said, if you ever want to get rid of people, get them out of your life, just tell them the truth. Because people now get offended by the truth and they run. You want to challenge me on that? I promise you. 
You tell people the truth. You ever go to someone and confront a sin? They're probably going to unfriend you on Facebook. You out of their life, buddy. Now they're going to watch what you do through everybody else's Facebook so that they can throw stones at you. Uh, stop, Rocky. I'm just telling you the truth. That's how people are. That, that, that's why the Bible says that the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free if you will listen to it. If you will accept it. It will set you free. The revealer of all truth. Man, y'all going to, I'm a broken record because we're still on Holy Spirit on Wednesdays, but the Holy Spirit is the revealer of all truth. How do you think the truth is going to set you free? Because the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, which, I'm trying to get you in the will of God, Joe. Are you going to listen to me today? See, he probably don't talk to y'all like that. He, he talks to me like that. He'll say, hey, knucklehead, you need to pay attention. That, that's not what I want you. But God, this is so good. No, here. But this isn't going to match last week. Here. God, I don't even think I can preach this. Here. And, and that's the liberty that I have found in, in being a pastor. Is that I know there's a day that I've got to answer to him. And I don't want to put this pressure on nobody. It's, look, I don't, as hard as it is for you to be in the will of God, it's just as hard, if not harder for me, to be in the will of God. Everybody thinks pastor got it together. See, I'm, I struggle with my past just like you struggle with yours. I struggle with the issue in my life just like you struggle with the issue in your life. We, we, we all walk our own lives out, but we're walking them parallel because you got problems and I got problems. Paul didn't tell Timothy that he didn't have problems. He said, I fought a good fight. That meant he had to fight. So we all have to fight. But are we willing to stand, stand fast, and hold to that promise that we were given in our freedom and our liberty to serve God. You are free to worship God any way you choose. Can't nobody condemn you on how you worship. BJ, if you don't want to get up here and dance, don't you get up here and dance. But we, we all have this thing, and we are so, we, we allow the condemnation from everybody, man, to wear us down in our fight for our faith. Because others carry that bondage. Because I've got it, I want you to have it. I don't want you to rejoice in yours. Nobody wants us to excel. Everybody wants to keep you down here. 
I'm good with you being a barber. I just don't want you to get real good. Right? I'm good with you being a good RN. I just don't want you to become a doctor. Because if you excel too much, then I can't sit in your circle because I'm still struggling with this thing that I don't have education. See, y'all have heard me talk about it. and It's a struggle of mine. What changes that? Absolutely it will. Our problem is to truly know. That's the struggle. That's, that's, that's the, the struggle. struggle. And, and I can tell you from where I walked in my life and the things that I had been through, that was the struggle. And I think that's why I don't, I don't remember the day that I was saved. But let me tell you what I do remember. I remember the day that I was set free. I remember the day that that bondage was ripped away. I remember sitting at that altar for what seemed like days, allowing God to do a work in me. It wasn't at this altar, though. <laughs> because I was so ashamed of who I was. It was a slow transition. It was a day-by-day -day walk from who I was in the life that we had before I came to Christ. And the enemy still, still to this day, will use that against me. Because you know what? His plan is to kill us. He does not want to see God's plan get bigger. He doesn't want to see us grow in our faith. He doesn't want to see us work through things. He is there to stop you. And so even though I know who I am in Christ, and I know my identity, and I know I'm saved, and I know I'm called, the enemy is still there, still there. I told him, the Sunday that I gave word here in that church, from that night on, he has in my dreams every night, and it has been years, years since I have thought about my past because I'm free. I am set free. I know that. I teach that. I talk to people about that. But from that night, the enemy has haunted me in my dreams. And brought everything from my past back to me. Why? Because I'm walking in the purpose that God set out for me. And friends, listen to me. Do not think for one moment that you're not game for the enemy. Every step you take, he is waiting there for you. Everything, and, and I know people are tired of hearing me say this, everything in our life is spiritual, spiritual. warfare. Everything. Everything we go through is spiritual warfare. You have to be prayed up. You have to know the word. You have to know who you are and stand in that. You have to circle yourself with other people. This is what church is for. This is why we need to be here. We need to surround each other with other people that believe the same way we do and encourage you that, you know what, it's not your mind. It's not Satan. It is God that is going to carry you through this. And we're going to be, do this together, right? We're going to do this together. We're going to walk on that. So it's not a matter of understanding that you're free and that the liberty comes from what God can do for you. It's being able to continually do that, continually. 
verse 13, Galatians 5, verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty, right? You accept Christ, you have that liberty. He gives it to you. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I say it all the time. I feel like sometimes we get this idea that our service to each other and our service to the Lord is going to help us change our heart. So that's a thing. We go through the motions to try to change our heart. But God changes our heart first. Our salvation, our service to him is to him. I'm not doing this to serve you. I'm doing this to serve him. And because my love for him comes first, I want to serve you. That's what makes us do what we're doing. It's that continual faith. It's that draw. I want to live in liberty. I want to be happy in my circumstances, even when it doesn't look like what I think it should look like, right? Because whose life does? Sorry, y'all. Whose life does? In our struggles, I want to be that beacon of light to have that peace within. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I will not bow to you because my God is greater. And you can throw me in the fire. You can persecute me. Devil, you do what you want to do. But I'm going to stand for Jesus, right? And what did they see? What did they see? They put him in the fire. Can you imagine that right now? We're taking everything from you because you're not going to do what the world wants you to do. So you're being stripped of all of it. We're throwing you in the fire. You're persecuted. This is it, the end of your life. I want to be the one to stand like they did and say, even in the fire, I am with you, Lord, and I know that you're with me. And they seen that fourth man in the fire visibly seen Jesus there. And didn't even know who he was. (laughs) But called him out as the son of God. See, people, stop just telling everybody you're a Christian. Just stop telling everybody you're a Christian. Let them see what comes out of you. And, And then, I want y'all to understand something that we, you, you, don't have, you don't have pastors that don't have struggles. You don't have pastors that don't have a past. Oh, we, we got a past. We could break it out every Halloween because it'd scare you to death with all the skeletons <laughs> up in that closet of our past and, and the things. But see, God set us free. Amen. Not man. Dude, if it was up to man, we would still be who we were. But God set us free. God give us an opportunity. Did that, were, were we better than the others? No. Did, did we change overnight? No. It's been a process. And we're still being worked. I'm still not perfect. I'll still throw a box of tissues at you if you make me mad. 
I ain't saying that's a sin. Jesus used the whip. <laughs> but I'm just, what I want you to understand is what God is inviting you to is a place to where you feel no condemnation. I mean, you, you love him the way that you love him. It doesn't matter how you pray. Quit, quit worrying about your prayer life based on somebody else's right. and just start praying. That's right. Quit worrying if, if somebody prays in the spirit and you don't. Just pray. God said the only reason you don't have what it is that you want is you've not asked for it. What is it you want? I, not, not begging him for it. You're not a pauper. You're a child of a king. I mean, do y'all really understand that he is a king? Yes. I mean, I, I, I truly believe fear will strike the earth when he splits the eastern sky. I believe fear will strike the earth. Now, for some of us, that's going to be a reverential fear. For the others, they're just going to be scared to death of him. I don't want to be scared to death of him. I want to fear him for who he is. I mean, it's, it's, it's like my kids. <laughs> I, think there's a, I think there's a fear of daddy, but they're not fearing daddy. They, they'll still come talk to daddy. Even when they've done something wrong, they'll still come talk to daddy. But they scared on the way. <laughs> but it's a reverential fear because of the position that I hold in their life. And can I tell you that, and, I, and I'm still learning how to be a father. I'm still learning. See, I have struggles just like you. But there's a freedom that I can make a mistake. And God will still put his hand down and help me back up to my feet. And I don't have to worry about what you think. You shouldn't have to worry about what I think. Don't live your life under the weight of the expectations of people. Live your life under the weight of his glory. Allow him to be in your life. Can life get better? Yes. Can life be worse? Yes. Is life going to be just full of cheer and happy? And No. It's not. Paul said, I have fought. I fought the good fight. Even all the way through his life, Lord, take it from me.
I wonder how many of us are asking God to take something from us instead of just living in the freedom knowing that he's going to get me through it. See, we, we want to take... We want to take the bondage of our, of our struggles and put them on other people so that they struggle with the same thing. Can I tell you that everybody's not cut out right. to handle what you're handling right now? Yeah. I told a, a really close buddy of mine one day when I was in Charlottesville on a mail truck waiting for them to load me up so that I could leave. And he called and said, I have to tell you something. I said, you don't have to tell me nothing. I already know. He said, what do you mean? And I told him what he was going to tell me. And I said, God told me to tell you this. Thank you. Because what you struggle with right now, I couldn't. I would have already committed suicide. I would have already killed myself because I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thoughts of struggling with what you struggle with. See, I could have thrown a yoke of bondage over around his neck too and said, well, if that's, you can't be saved if you having them kind of feelings. And you, but instead, being able to love. See, you can't, you can't truly minister the gospel unless you can recognize from where you minister it from. And I'm, I'm let, me, let, me, let me say it better. I can't minister to a problem in your life if I think my life is clean. But if I can recognize that I struggle, I can minister to your life. You catching me? Because now I'm coming to you through a conduit of love and compassion because I know I'm screwed up too. But I just know that God has given us a liberty that we can be free in it. Brings me back here because she said that she was haunted yet again after stepping out. Can I tell you, <laughs> if you run up out of church today screaming, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free indeed, you can rest assured he's waiting on you at the house and he's going to show you how to get you locked right back up. <laughs> He doesn't, he doesn't want us to recognize who we are in him. Because if we do, uh-oh, he got bigger problems. But if we recognize our position in Christ and where we stand and who we are and who we're sealed by, if we can understand and recognize that, man, what, what, lib what liberty 
we have. Because he can't make he can't bring up an accusation. He can't tell me where I'm messed up because he fixed it. But because we battle with our flesh, we have to tend to these things. We have to stand fast. Assured that when Christ said that I'm delivered, I'm delivered. Now, does that mean, does, being, does having liberty in our life or having this freedom in our life, does that necessarily mean that we don't have the struggle? It don't mean the struggle's not there. It just means I choose not to live in that struggle. How many of you ever, have you ever, have you ever done something in your life that you, you revisit every once in a while in your head? How many of you have something in your life that you've done that you live in? See, we won't raise our hand on that one. But we've done... How many of us have had things in our life that we've done that we still live in? I mean, we still live in it. And the reason we still live in it is because we don't understand the freedom and the liberty in which Christ give us. You're, what you struggle in, you don't, have, you don't have to live there. Does that mean it'll never revisit? No. But you don't have to stay there, Joe. We can walk out of it. It, it can come, oh, hey, what up? I'm out. We don't have to hang out with, <laughs> we got to change the atmosphere. If he brings back something on me that I don't want and I don't want to live in, I'm out. And there's things I choose not to do that others choose to do. And there's no condemnation from me. But don't condemn me. I'll give you something as practical as this. I've been to my father's grave one time since he passed away. I choose I choose not to visit that. Why? Because there's still a, there's still a pain there. There's still so, and I refuse to allow that. No pun intended, but to raise from the dead. I, I I don't. My thing is keep the environment I'm living in as pure as I can. I don't want to allow, I don't want to allot the enemy an opportunity to bring up some type of, of hatred or discontent. See, so many people walk away from church, family, friends, God, because of a hurt that they choose to live in. And, and I say choose, I'm, I'm trying to say it lightly, but you choose to live where you are. Because everybody in here this morning, you chose to wake up, you chose to get dressed, and you chose to come to church. So what is the difference of choosing not to live in your bitterness, and your hatred, and your pain, and your hurt, and your disgrace? 
That's not a place to live. And we wonder why we have such a hard time with life. Because I can't get over a past hurt or a pain. I take it out on everybody I meet. It's not fair. It's not fair to me. And it's not fair to you. So that's telling me that's got to be the enemy. If he's constantly wanting me to stay here, there's a reason. He, he's killing me. But we will hang there. Why? And I believe it all comes back to this. We don't understand the liberty and the freedom we have. That was afforded to us. Don't, don't live in that the rest of your life. It's not worth it. There's things we both have done. And things that we'll give account to. See y'all. <laughs> I'm going to get you off your high horse right here. You think just because you got saved. That you don't have to pay a price for something. The Bible says that you'll give an account to everything. Every idle word spoken, you'll give account. There, there is, and you can look at it, you can check me on it or whatever, but you can read before and after and keep it in context for your little religious self. But it, it says that you're going to give an account for it. You are judged. You're judged by your works. Uh-oh. We don't like hearing none of that either. But we have to give an account. For everything that we've done, you'll have to give an account. Now let me, let me, let me help you now. This is God's grace. Me, it's just me. Maybe it's because I'm trying to make it light on myself, but this is just me. Because I know i got a lot to account for. I believe that God's grace will buffer. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin are death. Okay? Have we sinned? Has any of you ever sinned? Were you a Look... You were a sinner before you accepted Christ. You did not come out of the womb, as much as I say it, you did not come out of the womb a Christian. You didn't come out of the womb saved and holy and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit. It didn't happen. We were all a sinner. On our best day, we were as filthy rags the Bible would compare us. But God's grace stepped in and buffered see I don't have to die now I'm just going to die in the flesh but I won't see a second death why? because of God's grace and I think that's the same thing that will take place too when we have to give account 
This is what you should have gotten. <laughs> Come on, Megan. What you should have got was. Right? But instead of that, you're grounded for two days. That's grace. I see, I see daddy. This is what you should be getting. But because my son died for you, this is what you're getting. And it's not, I don't, I don't foresee us up there and us getting spankings. I just, I don't see that. But you got a liberty in your wife. And it's up to you to recognize it. I mean, God's showing it to you every day. Every breath you take, he's showing it to you. And if you'll learn to walk in him. And let him live through you. Let him live through you. I can't love you based on my experience because I'll hate you. We might say the words, but our actions would be different. Our hearts are still hardened. Have you ever walked past somebody and said, love you? And you really don't. Because if that person was to call you in total distress, you'd probably make up an excuse that you got to go pick up a bowl of spaghetti or something for your cat. We all have excuses in our life on why we can't tend to other people. And here, no condemnation. Not, every, not everybody is called to be a handout thing. And I get it. But I do believe that statement that once he enters... And I fill myself with his love. Then I begin to give love. You can't love nobody until you love yourself. That's right. You'll never love yourself until you know how much God loves you. That's right. One of the, uh, I think the most impactful Bible studies that we ever did previously, and uh, we may have to go through it again, um, was, I'm trying to, now, now have the name went around. How, Don't ask me. How that. to live if, and, and I may have this wrong, but it's how to live if this was your last 30 days, or live like it's the last 30 days. 30 days to live. 30 days to live, sorry. See, I told you I'd mess it up. Um, now you know how I feel when I get up 30, here and I just, <laughs> 30 days to live. And I equate that to my life with Christ. The sacrifice that he made for me, every day when you wake up the next day, you have to say to yourself, if I leave this earth tonight when I go to bed, and this is the last time that I'm going to see these people that I'm around with, how different will my conversations be? Will my actions be? And how will my priorities be? But you know, you, you, you say that. Let me interject this real quick.
some people will still respond the same way. Because now it's almost like they added fuel to the fire. So now all I got is 30 days to be better. All I got is 30 days to love somebody. All I have is, well, you've taken all that from me and now I don't have enough time. And then we sit in our pity party and we'd probably, some of us would probably become hermits in the last 30 days because we don't understand the joy and the freedom. Man, you have to choose. You have to, you have to choose to live in freedom and have liberty in your life. You have to choose that. But, I mean, I'm sorry, I interjected. If you want to finish, you can finish up. No, I was just going to say that that to me was pretty much proportion to, you know, the day that my, um, the day that my life changed. I seen through a different set of lenses, and I no longer worried about the past and that didn't haunt me. I didn't live there. It was now the freedom that I have in Christ and what can I do to make my life portray his to other people around me. So it is, it's, it's your service. My prayer every morning is, God, how can you use me? And it's almost like a goal tracker for me. Once a day, bing, okay, you got it, bing. <laughs> How do you use me today? I get them dings every once in a while. You get them dings? Not the same dings. Oh. <laughs> that was marriage ministry, y'all. <laughs> um, but Lord, how can you use me today? How can I show somebody else your love? What can I do to make a difference? And you'll be surprised if you start in the morning and ask, the God, ask God to show you an opportunity for you to be used he always will. Always will. I know. Man, it's a little weird for a Sunday. Oh, I know. Man, God is coming back for a bride that's ready. And if we stay caught up in the bondages of everything in our past and everybody else's stuff, will that bride ever be ready? I heard a preacher say this years ago, that we have somewhat an opportunity to speed the clock up. I'm not so sure I'm sold on it 100%, but... It's when the church is ready, when the bride is ready. What if the church got ready? What if, what if she went to the dressing room and put on her veil and her garment? Choose to be in liberty. Choose to be free. Don't live, don't live your life based on everybody else. Stop it. Stop it. Don't use it as an excuse to do whatever it is that you want to do. Stand fast. 
know that you're going to have to fight to stay in that liberty. It's not, it's not the fight to get to the liberty. It's not the works to get into it. It's the, fight and the, it's the fight and the works that you do to stay there. Because you're going to have to fight the enemy. Because he's trying to pull you out every day. Remind you every day of how bad you are. So you're going to have to fight to stay in it. I'm, we're going to let you go. We're going to stop.